I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast by the Takshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. I'm your host, Rakshit. a research analyst at Takshashila Institution and today we are going to take a deep dive into Chinese Communist Party's history learning regulations to talk about this issue today i have manoj kevil ramani the chairperson of indo pacific studies program at takshashila happy to have you manoj thank you so much dakshit good to be here uh, manoj uh, many scholars believe that history is a religion to chinese i don't know if you agree with it but how should we understand this phrase why do you think history education is so so important for the party right so i mean i wouldn't i i, I don't know if i would call it a religion but i would say that history uh, has historically been extremely important uh, in terms of the politics uh, uh, in china even during the era of the different dynasties i mean uh, there has been a culture of recording written history uh, and usually history of the previous dynasty was written by the history of the successing dynasty succeeding dynasty so you had this ability that you know essentially rulerships saw history as a tool for political legitimacy uh, and to build continuity uh, and therefore whichever successive dynasty wrote the history of their predecessors they wrote in their uh, you know they characterized the the previous ruling dynasties as essentially predecessors but also themselves as legitimate heirs uh, of correcting all the wrong doings of the previous uh, leaderships so this was a this has been a pattern so the the good part of this is obviously that you have therefore a lot of recorded history but the tragic bit of it is that this is all essentially politicized history as opposed to history which is necessarily in search of truth of a particular period so to that extent i think history has deeply mattered uh, in terms of chinese politics and i think the communist party understands this uh, you know it's rooted obviously in that tradition and it understands this and if you go back to mao if you go back to tang if you go back to shi right now what you will see is that each of them have used history as a political tool to find space to build continuity uh, but also find ways to break from the past uh, and that's why i think it matters right they see history not as something Uh, to investigate and understand the truth but the sea history as something that can be an enabling tool to legitimize uh, one's current rule but also policy directions hmm all right uh, so recently the central committee of the communist party of china has released regulations on studying the party's history right it outlines key objectives and principles embedded in the newly introduced regulations which emphasizes the need for regular long term study of the party's history the document comprising six chapters and 34 articles delves into critical aspects of this study would you please tell us manoj uh, what this regulation is broadly about and what are the primary objectives and tasks that it seeks to achieve right so before i actually get into the current regulations i think it's useful to get a little bit of a background into 
why this is happening at present and why these regulations are coming out at present. Um, so in 2021, which was the centenary of the party, so the Communist Party of China was founded in 1921. 2021 was the 100-year anniversary of the party's founding. And in that year, in February, you saw the party launch what was called a history learning and education campaign. Um, it started in February that year. On February 20th, there was a meeting in uh, Beijing in which you saw the beginning of the campaign. And then subsequently, uh, the campaign culminated uh, in the towards the end of the year. Uh, its highlight was, of course, I mean, there were two big highlights. One was Xi Jinping's speech uh, on July 1st, uh, which marked sort of the centenary of the party. Um, and uh, secondly, uh, in November 2021, you had what was called the third history resolution that the party approved. So those were sort of the two key points. Now, why uh, does the third history resolution matter? I think it's useful to go back and look at, uh, you know, why there was a first history resolution, a second history resolution. So the first history resolution was uh, under Mao Zedong. Uh, that was a critical document, which essentially allowed Mao to solidify his position uh, in charge of the party, um, uh, you know, essentially made him the be all and end all of the party. I mean, he'd obviously consolidated significant power before that. Um, mm -hmm. But in 1945, when that resolution came up, he essentially became the be all and the end all of the party. Then fast forward, you had the second history resolution, uh, which uh, essentially sought to break from the past, break from Maoist policies. Uh, this was under Deng Xiaoping in the early 1980s. Uh, and the objective was that, uh, can we move away from class struggle towards modernization, economic development, and so on and so forth? And can we also recognize that there are some historical errors that have been made uh, and acknowledge those uh, and then at least outline those because the party stability is uh, is important right so that identified some of mao's policies particularly his you know sense of dictatorship that had been cultivated and his complete command of the party as problematic uh, and that paved the way for you know an era of collective leadership and so on and so forth uh, under xi jinping you had a third history resolution in november 2021 which is what i said now this was an interesting resolution because i think xi jinping what he tried to do in this was he tried to synthesize uh, and sort of harmonize both those right there was a continuity with the past versions of history uh, but the key part of the resolution was to essentially make the point that Xi Jinping is the legitimate sort of heir of this historical ride of the party uh, and he is special uh, and his rule therefore must persist um, so he didn't sort of overturn any previous conclusions like the 1980s resolution did he essentially said that we need to have continuity. We need to not criticize our historical uh, failings. We need to understand that there were failings, of course. The resolution talks about, you know, the cultural revolution as a failing, uh, but it doesn't really dwell on it. Uh, but it says that we need to understand that the path that we've taken was a necessary path to come to where we are. In that, of course, we made some mistakes. But right now, where we are is because of that path, and therefore, we must appreciate it. Uh, and therefore, criticisms of Mao uh, were not really something that he would appreciate, right? Uh, and we've seen yeah. that right now, right? Last year, uh, you know, on Mao's birthday, there was a big celebration which Xi Jinping attended and he spoke at. So there's been a mm -hmm. rehabilitation of Mao in some sense. So this is the sort of pathway through which this history learning business has been consolidated. And the objective of it is to essentially legitimize Xi Jinping's control 
uh, over the party and to legitimize and bind everybody together behind what Xi Jinping's vision is for not just the party's growth, but also for the Chinese economy and society going forward, right? So it's basically, uh, and you know, in, in, in November 2021, when the, the third history resolution was passed, there was also an explanatory note which Xi Jinping issued, uh, in which he said, uh, quite categorically, he was saying that these history resolutions are essentially instruments to build consensus uh, for future policy direction. So it's not something where we are actually investigating history or studying history. Mm. So that's a bit of a background. Uh, and to just quickly answer the question that you asked about uh, what is this resolution? So like I said, there was a history learning campaign, which basically meant that you needed to make sure that everybody across the party and the society is on the same page and there are no difficult questions being asked about historical choices that the party has made and the implications of those historical choices on present day policy and therefore questioning Xi Jinping's authority. Um, so therefore you want to build harmony. So this regulation that has been issued now becomes a mandate for uh, everybody and gives a guideline for everybody uh, not just people in the party, but also state officials. Uh, but beyond that, also broader society, schools, universities, uh, everybody, uh, where history learning must become compulsory. Uh, and what kind of history, therefore, must be taught uh, is what uh, this document talks about. And we can delve deeply uh, into that uh, going forward. But that's the agenda, right? The objective is that. Right. Um, and has the regulation specifically mentioned who is responsible for carrying out the work for the party history and education? Um, there's, a, there's a call because I'm asking because there's a call to use uh, new era civilization practice centers for this purpose. What exactly do they mean by it? Right. So, um, yes, the resolution does. Uh, so the regulation does talk about, uh, you know, who is uh, supposed to. Uh, carry out the key work and all of that. Um, uh, so there is a central leading group for propaganda, ideological and cultural work uh, that is going to be primarily responsible for uh, the overall implementation of this regulation. Um, of course, the central propaganda department, the organization department, the central party history and literature research institute, again, something that was founded under Xi Jinping, uh, those are going to be key actors. Uh, other departments across, because you're going to be doing this as a whole of society activity. So lots of other departments, provincial governments, local governments, uh, everybody will essentially, universities, schools, like I said, everybody will essentially be responsible for implementing them. But the key agency that is in charge of everything, that will be uh, doing overall coordination, supervision, is a leading group for propaganda, ideological and cultural work. The regulation also quite clearly outlines what is the primary task, uh, you know, what are the primary tasks? So there are four tasks that they talk about. Um, and these are really interesting because they underscore the earlier point that I was trying to make about um, why this is a political objective. And I think it, it, this is not unique to China, right? It's not unique to the Communist Party. Uh, history is often a battleground in present day politics. You can see that in India, you can see that in the United States, you can see that in Europe, uh, where there is essentially some sort of a cultural conflict going on uh, around, you know, around what past has or what the past has meant and how the past impacts the future. Uh, you can see the Black Lives Matter movement in that context. You can see the taking down of statues in Europe uh, in that context. You can see what's happening in India in that context, where history is deeply political. And in China, what essentially the Communist Party is saying is that 
we must have not just the dominant narrative on history, but the only narrative on history. So therefore, the regulation talks about four primary objectives. The first is to understand, to enhance study history so that you enhance your understanding and of reasoning, which basically means that you need to understand why the Communist Party of China has succeeded in doing what it's doing, why Marxism works, why socialism, of Chinese, socialism with Chinese characteristics is good and works for China. And through history, learning of history, essentially build your confidence in the party's leadership and its theories. So clearly there's a political objective to it. It's not about finding out uh, actual reasons of how society has functioned. The second objective is study history to enhance trust. Uh, this is again quite straightforward that you need to enhance your faith and trust and belief in Marxism, communism, socialism with Chinese characteristics and, you know, have confidence in the Chinese system uh, and become, as the, resolution, as the regulation says, uh, firm believers and faithful practitioners of the ideals of communism and socialism with Chinese characteristics. The third is to appreciate uh, morality or venerate virtue, which basically means that you must be able to cultivate, party members must be able to cultivate certain kinds of moral qualities, uh, which are primary quality is loyalty to the party. Uh, and under Xi, in Xi Jinping's era, loyalty to the party first means loyalty to Xi Jinping. Uh, and of course, the morality of, you know, uh, being strict with oneself in terms of discipline, in terms of corruption, making sure that there is a gain to the people, because at the end of the day, unless there is performance legitimacy, it hurts the party. So, and the final uh, fourth final objective is study implement to study history to implement practical actions, which basically means that uh, can history be your guide to try and figure out what you how do you implement certain kinds of tasks today? So, what has worked in the past? Can you learn from that? But beyond that, also to understand that what the party has done in the past was not bad. Right. So you appreciate party spirit, uh, you appreciate, you improve your assessment of the situation and understanding of situations based on politics of the day uh, and therefore appreciate where you have come from rather than being critical of the past. So it's a deeply conformist uh, agenda, which will be implemented top down, like I said, with the leading group uh, being responsible. Stay tuned to All Things Policy. We'll be right back after a short commercial break. Manoj, uh, so you have already mentioned how one would uh, study in this regulation about Mao, how, how one is able to criticize Mao also, right? But what is the exact content of history learning and education in this regulation? Is there a uh, room to, you know, add certain sections of history and, you know, omit certain so sections of history. So I think that it's useful to go back to that for anybody who's interested and we'll try and share in the show notes, the third history resolution for anybody who's interested. It's essentially going to be driven from that. So uh, there's a there's a certain articles in the regulations. So there are 34 articles across the regulation. And what you will see is that uh, from article 10, 11 onwards, you've got uh, some detail on what is the kind of content that will be taught uh, or that should be taught, right? So, and essentially it's about, uh, you need to use the three history resolutions from 45, 81 to, to, and 2021 as your primary content. Uh, you need to read through uh, speeches of Mao, Tang, Jiang, Hu, and Xi Jinping. So the five key general secretaries, uh, you need to read through their speeches and there will be obviously selections you will see a reader that's put together and so on and so forth that's what usually happens 
um so you will see carefully curated curriculum being designed um you will need to uh, understand therefore based on that why what the party did uh, was good uh, and therefore the objective is to build uh, alignment with the ideas of the central committee at present and xi jinping um so that's essentially going to be the content right um we are going to use the three history resolutions primarily uh, and the rest of speeches select speeches and select words um you're also going to do this education through uh, different sort of tools right you're going to be using there'll be mandatory courses at different levels like i said at uh, party schools at universities at primary schools middle schools so and so forth grassroots party organizations will be asked uh, or the regu- the regulation actually asks them to incorporate history learning as part of their annual uh, performance evaluation and annual work plans so it becomes a mandatory task for every cadre to engage in this exercise uh, and it will be part of their evaluation as to how they do on this and how they do on this is basically about how much loyalty they demonstrate um it, you will use uh, you know practical things such as uh, museums uh, trips uh you know cultural relics uh, memorial sites and so on and so forth to teach people uh, so that you again go back and you say well look you glorify certain parts of history uh, lots of media uh, content that will be created movies television uh, literature uh, you know all of that will be created and that becomes part of sort of online content so if you go back in the past few years there was a, a long series of uh, documentary series which was produced which is available in english also about the party's 100 year history um and that is you know it's a jaundiced one sided narrative but that kind of content will be created uh, and then of course you do things like you select certain dates let's say for certain specific campaigns that were held uh, like military campaigns uh, certain historical moments the uh, sort of memorial services and birthday commemorations for deceased leaders you use all of those to publicize and popularize the idea of history again it's not uncommon right i mean like say uh, in most countries you celebrate right uh, mm. the birthday of a deceased founder and things like that so you're using these moments uh, but your the key part is that the party is picking and choosing who it defines as role models based mm. on its current priorities and those are the people that will be popularized so i don't think you will see necessarily say in the next years next few years popular memorials for say the late chinese premier li keqiang uh, you're not going to see anything around zhao ziyang uh, or hu yaopang you're not going to see those kind of things you're going to see select people uh, that xi jinping wants to promote because they serve his agenda and you'll see that um, you'd ask me that question about uh, this uh, new era civilization centers right i mean that's a those are something that have been established over a period of time they are not uh, new they've been established uh, for some time i think the first guidance on those came in july 2020 um their essential job is to you know uh, create a, you know essentially have cultural and social influence on the people so mm. uh, those are sort of your very local uh, propaganda units so they will do uh, study and dissemination of party theory uh, they will be doing political training uh, they will be doing promotions of custom so like say when you're organizing a revolutionary red tour uh, tourism trip they will be a place to something that will coordinate that uh, those will be a place for volunteer services uh, to be offered so they become like your 
I mean, for the lack of a better analogy, uh, if you think from an Indian context, they become like your party shakha. Uh, you know, mm. your party sort of branch where things can happen, where you also get ideas which are publicized, uh, but you also sort of engage in some uh, volunteer work and so on and so forth, right? And the objective is at the grassroots level, you are promoting the kind of ideals and values that you want to through different sets of uh, actions, right? You mobilize people, you guide them in their thinking, you provide some degree of services, um, and that's how uh, they broadly work, or that's their objective broadly. Hmm. Manoj, we are talking about the history. I mean, the Communist Party's history learning regulations, but there have been so many times that you have mentioned about Xi. In one of the objectives, you have mentioned that one of the objectives was to study history to venerate virtue, which basically means complete loyalty to Xi. Uh, my question is, is there a particular section on Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era? I mean, how important is that, is that section if it's there in the regulation? Yeah, so if you look at the, if you read through the text of the regulation, what you will see is that, I mean, every key uh, ideological contribution in the party's pantheon, so Marxism-Leninism, Mao Zedong thought, Deng Xiaoping theory, uh, the thought of three represents, the theory of three represents, mm-hmm. uh, Hu Jintao's scientific outlook on development, uh, and then Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era, all get mentioned. Uh, and then after that, you get specific references that the current regulations uh, have been formulated under the guidance of Xi Jinping thought. So this is basically Xi Jinping saying that he's giving a nod, like I said, he does not want historical uh, discontinuity. He wants historical continuity because he wants to, he's not somebody who wants the party to disintegrate. He wants the party stronger. And he looks at this as a process of making the party stronger. Because if you have debates over the past of the party, uh, to him, it potentially weakens the party. Um, If you all come to the same page and say, fine, we're going to airbrush some of these things. It basically legitimizes the party as having tremendous wisdom and him being uh, somebody who's following in that suit. So firstly, the regulation says that they are guided uh, by Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era. Um, It specifically, Article 7, I think, quite specifically says that um, the idea is to for people to grasp she thought she's thoughts, basic viewpoints, uh, its worldview, uh, and therefore transform that thought uh, into a powerful force that not only strengthens ideals, tempers the party spirit, guides practices, and promotes work. Um, likewise, uh, subsequent articles also specifically talk about uh, Xi Jinping thought being sort of the center of gravity. And again, uh, uh, on the same day as the regulations were made public, you had an interview by an official from the Central Party History and Literature Research Institute, um, who was quite clear in saying that, you know, the the first primary thing that was considered uh, was to ensure that, uh, you know, we follow the guidance of Xi Jinping thought and the party constitution, which also places Xi Jinping thought on a pedestal, and that we need to ensure our political uh, the, the political direction that we follow is correct. Uh, and again, the first, he made four points of what was considered while putting these regulations together. And I will not blame you with, you know, I'll not bore you with these four points, but I will tell you that the first of those was essentially about uh, implementing the spirit of Xi Jinping's speeches and instructions on learning and education of party history. Um, so it's, this is essentially agenda driven based on uh, with the attempt, with the effort to try and cement Xi Jinping's position. Um, The one other point that I will make is that uh, there's a specific reference in the document to, uh, you know, historical nihilism, which basically is the idea that 
there has to be only one view of history and there mm. cannot be other views of history and the document quite clearly says that you know the job is to correctly handle the relationship uh, the purpose of the regulation is to correctly handle the relationship between history and re- reality politics and academia research and propaganda uh, and take a clear stand against quote erroneous thoughts and views such as historical nihilism uh, fight against words and deeds that tarnish the image of the party and the country slander party and state leaders smear heroes and role models and distort the history of the party which basically means that there is no space for an alternative view on anything that has happened in the past um, and that's the agenda of this thing and xi jinping is at the helm of that agenda because he see he believes that it legitimizes his position right um so thank you so much manoj um, if if i can take out uh, take away a few key points from this conversation it is that the aim of this studying history for the party is to form a unanimous consensus to move politics forward smoothly and four four main objectives that you told are study history to enhance understanding of reasoning which is which means basically means that not only the dominant but our narrative should be the only narrative right yeah. uh, and second one being strengthen the faith in marxism communism and the belief in socialism with chinese characteristics characteristics which basically means study history to enhance trust the third one being study history to venerate virtue which basically means loyalty to the party and she and the fourth being the study history to implement practical actions I mean, which keeps all the entire i mean everyone on the same boat the members of the party right yeah and if, if i could if i could just end by saying that and none of that is the mm-hmm. actual way that one must actually study history uh, <laughs> you know right. so unfortunately this is what happens when history gets politicized whichever country you are in right right so in that on that note thank you so much manoj for sharing your beautiful insights it's been really amazing having a conversation with you and to all our listeners thank you so much for tuning in see you all in the next episode of all things policy thank you if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can tune into them on the ivm podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.